Good evening and welcome everybody. My name is Omar Khalif and I am the curator of this year's 154 Forum entitled Continental Drift. The theme of the forum really is about trying to encapsulate what it means to think through the shifting of ideas across such an incredibly vast expanse, thinking about the resonances and the dissonances across time and how those various facets and ideas emerge to create some of the most incredible visual culture that we see today. This particular session, A History of Echoes, was conceived as a homage to the late Nigerian curator, Okuyen Wazer. It is a talk that was very specifically rooted in thinking about the concept of legacy in a broad sense, in an artistic sense, to think about not only exhibition histories that curators produce, but also the attitudes and ideas that emerge and stem from those exhibitions, the communities and friendships that they build. I'm honored that this evening, we have a illustrious panel of individuals who will be speaking. First, I'm going to introduce Gottfried Donker, who's joining us from Ghana this evening. Uh, Gottfried is a British Ghanaian artist who works in myriad forms with a particular interest in exploring the connections between African and British histories. To say histories of colonialism would be far too reductive, but rather histories of power, balance and image making might be one way to think of it. But also one interesting fact about Gottfried is that he was also the curatorial assistant working with Ockwin Razor in 1990, on 1997's second Johannesburg Biennial, which was one of Inwazer's first large scale international projects and truly a collaborative endeavor. Also in the room is Joanne Bernie Danziker joining us from Vancouver this morning. Thank you. Um, um, Joanne, like many of the people in this room, uh, someone that I've met just over a decade ago um, and was the individual who invited Inwazer to curate the incredible exhibition, the, the Short Century, which toured the world, uh, beginning in Villa Stuck, where Danziker was the director of the museum at the time in Munich, um, before traveling on to MCA Chicago, um, Gropius Bau, as well as PS1 MoMA. Uh, Danziker was also the director of the Vancouver Art Gallery. And when we met, Danziker was the director of the Fry Art Museum at the time. And it was her uh, telling of her experience with Okui that led me to make the short century a part of my own doctoral research. Um, Danziker was also the director of the Sydney Biennale as well. And of course, we have with us uh, the incredible artistic duo, uh, Joanna Hajitoma and Khalil Jurej, who I think we've also known and been working together for about the same time. 
and who also have a connection to Munich, uh, in a sense, which will come, which I'm sure will come across in this in this panel. Um, Hajitoma and Jurej are artists and filmmakers who come from a complex background of literature and poetry, of multi-form practices. Um, creating modular installations such as the Lebanese Rocket Society, which expands from installation to the big screen. And currently they're installing a new exhibition at Galerie Fabien Leclerc in Paris, which is opening either today or tomorrow. I'm not quite sure they're in a storage space uh, tomorrow. Uh, and Hajitoma and Jurej also were collaborators of Aquin Razor in featured in um, his Venice Biennale, 56 Venice Biennale, uh, as well as uh, the Paris Triennale, and also in a collaborative project produced by Haus der Kunst and Sharjah Art Foundation, co-curated by Horik Qasim and Inouezer, which also traveled to numerous other venues, which was the duo's first major survey, mid-career survey exhibition. Um, and not to mention, of course, the release of the recent feature film, Memory Box, which will be in a theater near you soon. And last but certainly not least, of course, our leading today's uh, this evening's panel is Hurul Qasimi. Um, Hurul Qasimi is an artist, a curator, a pianist, <laughs> a multilinguist, uh, an incredible arts leader and visionary who is the director and president of the Sharjah Art Foundation, as well as president of the Africa Institute in Sharjah chair of the board of advisors of the Sharjah College of Fine Arts and Design, among numerous other appointments, including director, um, being president of the International Biennial Association and too many more things for me to list. Uh, Al-Qasimi is also, of course, um, the incredible creative director of the fashion label Qasimi as well, which is an incredible hybrid space where art and fashion meet. Um, it was um, actually also about 10 years ago that I first ventured to Sharjah um, on the advice of um, this kind of incredible group of constellation of people. Um, and it was there that I discovered an entire world of artists who I had never um, seen before, artists who looked like me, who spoke like me, which is what has inspired me to continue our incredible and ongoing relationship. Um, so without further ado, I'm gonna hand over to Hur, who will lead the panel discussion to really think informally, discursively about the legacy of Okwe and Wazer and perhaps even what the future might hold for that. Thank you so much and enjoy. Thank you, Omar. And thank you everybody who's joining us. I see lots of uh, familiar names and friends in the, in the audience and the attendees. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank all the panelists for joining us uh, on this panel. There've been many uh, programs and talks talking about uh, Okri's legacy and looking back at how he inspired all of us. I think there it's uh, the number of people that Okwi has touched in his life are too many to count. And that's why you're seeing many, many, many panels and discussions and events looking back at um, the importance of his, um, the many projects in his career uh, and how they led us to think about um, the projects we're working on, what we continue to do 
I think Joanne, you said it well, that he said to you, the work is not done, keep, it needs to keep going. Um, so I thought this is a great opportunity to share the stage uh, with people who've worked closely with him, but formed friendships and have uh, continued, and his work has continued to, to inspire them. Um, I'd like to start with uh, Gottfried, um, and I'd like to know more about um, your experience working with Okwi in the Johannesburg Biennial. I'm keeping the, I'm going straight to the panelists because I know we don't have much time and I'd like to hear as much from all of you as possible. So Godfrey, please. Thank you very much. Um, thank you for inviting me here. Um, when I was asked to come, come on this panel a couple of days ago, I really started to, for the first time, revisit my experience 24 years ago in Joburg. Um, but briefly, I met Okwi in 94 in New York. We had a mutual friend um, who introduced me, a friend of mine from London, a friend of his from Nigeria. And we, we became friends very slowly and gradually. And I remember when he asked me to, to come to, to Joburg to work with him, I was astonished. I was like, what am I going to do there? I can't, you know, this is, this is massive. And... Um, he managed to persuade me and then I spent three months. We lived in the same house. We worked very closely together. But what was amazing for me and re recollecting the, the, the theme of the BNR was um, trade routes, if I recall. And um, again, uh, it was one of the structures he has is different curators that are invited to present different pavilions, if you like, or different exhibition spaces. So I met Octavia Zaya. I worked with uh, Yu Young Kim. I worked with Salah Hassan. Um, and and um, during the course of that, 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 that uh, process, that project, I, I worked with contemporary artists from all over the world, including contemporary artists from, Ga from Ghana. The late Atapani was there. I met Mustafa Dime. I met uh, Abdullah Konate, Bia Diba. And then in South Africa, I met everybody. I met Santa Mofikane. Um, Willy Besta, Kay Hassan, uh, Pat Mautla, all of them were like coming into this project because they were part of the exhibition. And I found uh, we were having to deal with what they needed. Los Capitores from, 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 from Cuba, Pepe Osorio, Stan Baguera. You know, there were names that like, it was incredible, I was saying earlier, to have this uh, cascade of artists coming into South Africa and, for, and seeing the response of, um, of South Africans, both artists and audience. But I, for, for me, I was living it at the time. So I was working as, a, as an artist, but I also did a bit of curating and Okri knew about that. I also traveled in the Caribbean and he also knew about that because of his magazine, NKA, we were constantly, he was always calling me out for some, oh, send me something to put in NKA, send me something to put in NKA. So I would just pass things on to him. Um, and sometimes they would appear in, in the publication. So when I arrived in South Africa, we were literally, I was his driver, his bodyguard, his confidant, dinner partner. Um, and then we work all day, we go for di these grand dinners, as you know, Okri loves to have, um, you know, and then, um, full of laughter, as you say. There's obviously the workers' anxiety with them and all kinds of um, emotions. But at the end of the day, I used to remember fondly that at the end of the day, we will have a massive dinner somewhere, some massive restaurant. Even when the kitchen was closed, you'd get them open and 
and we'll continue till two in the morning and then we'll be discussing what we're doing the next day and then we'll be back at work at eight o'clock. And this went on relentlessly. Um, and I think it was, it was, it was, it was for me very formative, uh, formative uh, part of my career. I realized that um, being an artist as well, I realized what it took to, to present your work on a world stage and what effort you have to go through to get things right. The projectors have to get right. I mean, one stage we, we had to order monitors for, for, I remember Stan Douglas's book, one of his pieces, on, and they ordered TV sets, but there's a difference between a TV set and a monitor. So they didn't know that in South Africa. So we had to re, 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 return all of these. So all of this kind of, these, uh, these uh, problems or situations that arose really taught me a lot as an artist um, in terms of my own practice, in terms of what to expect when I'm in a project, how, how to react or work with a curator. I mean, Opie worked very in, in, intimately with, with, with a lot with his artists. Um, sometimes, um, um, you know, we, we, we sometimes very too close, I think, and then sometimes um, not, not close enough. So there was a lot of artists saying, oh, you're not giving me enough attention. I'm not getting enough reaction and all this kind of, um, but for me, what, 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 what was important was after the second Johannesburg Biennale, they, they, they didn't do another one. It was not possible to duplicate that or because the person that put it together wasn't there, obviously. Um, there, were, there hasn't been another one since. Um, and subsequently, what was also interesting that, that his projects around the world has been kind of taken that as a, as a template and, and made it much more um, colorful, if you like. Um, but yeah, no, so that, that for me, and as a result of me being there, meeting all these, uh, I met uh, Remy Sanya, who was the Biennale of Dakar. And then in 98, I was invited to Dakar and that was my first international show. And Oppie was there with me then as well. So we went through that process. And then um, he showed me in Venice in 2001 when he did the African Forum for the first time. So um, we, we went through personal as well as professional kind of connections. Yeah, like you mentioned, the Johannesburg Biennial is, some, is a key moment in exhibition history that everybody seems to be looking back on as well, which uh, the short century is an equally iconic uh, exhibition. And we'll talk to Joanne about that uh, uh, as well pretty soon. But when you talk about artists, uh, Oki working really closely with artists and how he influenced their career, I really wanted to also pass on the, the mic to Joanna and Khalil because I think um, Oki worked very closely with you on your lecture performance, your project in the Venice Biennial as part of um, uh, the, um, the, the world, the stage. Um, so I think it would be, we'd like to hear a little bit more about your working experience and how, of course, the exhibition we did together, Two Suns and a Sunset, uh, but more specifically, the lecture performance series. Um, well, first, uh, thank you for uh, inviting us to this panel. I think we are both very happy to be able to talk with you and to talk with uh, about Okri because we miss him. And so it's, uh, it's good to talk about him with friends and people that worked with him. And also because maybe especially uh, Hur and, uh, and Omar, you are 
pe people that makes connection like oak we used to do with uh, territories that are like the, uh, the African and uh, and Arab words in a very different way. You make uh, we, um, the way, for example, Okri used to work was it was not about nationalities, it but more about geographies as system of resistance, as constellations that would could talk to each other. So we were we were always very surprised the way he used to curate it, those shows. Articulating, um, editing, and sometimes mixing. Mixing things. and uh, so. This, this was really because I think that uh, it's, uh, it's here where there is those echoes that you were talking about. Uh, we, can, we can talk about the first time we met uh, really because we knew Okri, of course, uh, from many places, we would see each other, but uh, we, we started to, our first real encounter was in New York, uh, in MoMA. We had uh, um, a retrospective of our film uh, curated by uh, Rasha Satyan. Jute Jensen, and uh, at the end we did a, a performance called Aida Save Me. And uh, it's, a, it's an, an extra, extraordinary history, story with unbelievable yet true, with a lot of things happening with an image of a, of a, of a, a man called Antoine that we used in a film, Perfect Day, and many, many things. Are, are a lot right. of turning, turning points, points, an image of a fiction become yeah, a document. An and, and suddenly Okri was, was here, just listening to this uh, performance, and a woman stand and said that uh, I'm Antoine Antoine's cousin. And so it was really astonishing in New York, in MoMA, to have Antoine, who's Lebanese, having his cousin here. And uh, so it's this serendipity, we, we heard Okri laughing, you know, <laughs> with his laugh. And then it started a real, a real friendship and a real collaboration uh, together. Because he, he could uh, also accept this part of mystery that happens sometimes, those uh, uh, things that are unexpected that happen. This kind of encounters where we don't know exactly what's happening. So he decided to program uh, Aida Save Me in different uh, in different places when he he curated the meeting points. It was a kind of um, a, a kind of platform um, created by Tahir Abul Futur at that time, Tahir, that you know also uh, very well. Um, and that was supposedly happening in several places in Europe, but also in the Arabic um, in the Arabic world. And it happened at the time where the Arabic Spring started to, to blow everywhere and disturb comple completely his program, let's say, that uh, his curating. And, and he was so challenged by the fact that he has to, to find the right proposal to the situation that it was evolving every day. Like, shall he, we go to yeah. Syria? Shall we go to Jordan? Shall we mm. go to Egypt? Despite what was happening, according to with whom who are inviting and right. I, like I think that what what really was what made us really close to each other it was like Khalil and me we we like this idea of not controlling everything like uh, of of course uh, like what what uh, what is called sometimes uh, the middle voice you know it's not an active voice it's not a passive voice it's a voice where you you understand that you are I, you act and you are acted in the same time. So, and, uh, uh, and this, this is a reference to something to, to, uh, you to, have uh, to is, uh, Bruno Latour and Isabelle Tanger talks about this middle voice. And we, we had this with, uh, uh, with 
Opry many times. Like uh, we, 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 he would, he would come with us to, to, to many adventures. So one of them, it was because he he really liked the lecture performance. He, he thought that lecture performance, as we, we made them in, uh, in Lebanon, uh, was a, a, a different contribution to the art world. And we talked a lot about this, especially with Rabi Amrouwe and uh, Walid Rahad, who did a lot of those lecture performance that we started doing in Lebanon because there was not really critical, uh, um, you know, about uh, production. production. So we started working uh, to, uh, to, to, to link our work to the situation, not our, 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 our artwork. So, so um, we, he came one day and he asked us to, uh, he saw another kind of performance that we did called latent images. And he came with this idea, like, uh, I want to do something epic. I would like to do this performance that is one, usually done once. I want to do it every day during so the 177 this was days. Because this was a, a book that was sealed. And uh, we had this idea with Khalil to open the book with actors. And so Opry was here at that time because we didn't want, we, we sold this book to an art, an art uh, uh, place and uh, an institution. And they said, you should open the book because the pages were sealed. And so we felt that we could open it with friends who would uh, uh, read the whole book. And Okwi saw it and said like, this is great. I'm inviting you to do this And uh, uh, at the Venice Biennale. So immediately we said yes. But what we didn't realize that he wanted this performance to happen every day, every day with four actors. And we had to open this book two hours and, and, and a half. So this was this epic gesture in the Agora. And that he uh, created with David Ajay, where right. there was a lecture of Marx by uh, it was fantastic this, uh, experience. It, it and it lasted six months, so we had to find actors that could come and uh, shift. And so we, we all were very excited, and then there was the consequences of what we, we were doing. And but it was also like this we pushed boundaries together, and this was this is the kind nice. of emulation that was great. It's that he came with something that would generate another artwork. Mm -hmm. So we, 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 it generates something through the conversation. This conversation is what will uh, allow you to, to push your limit, your, uh, to reinvent yourself in both sides. It's not about a, a, a powerful position. It's not, uh, this is why Joanna was talking about this position of the middle. It's not being in a power position, but uh, uh, trying to, to push your, your same concern because we were sharing a same concern and trying to, to invent new position of resistance, new position of, uh, of meanings, of, uh, of production of meanings and, and, uh, uh, and sharing the same mm. uh, intense proximities, uh, he would say, like uh, in another triennale. But and then we did this show that uh, you co-curated with him uh, in uh, in Munich, and uh, it was a, a moment where uh, it, we 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 saw him a lot, and it was a very generous moment. Even if if he was suffering uh, many times, he would do like he would work with us, and then go and have his uh, uh, you know his treatment and come back. So he was so strong in a way, and. Uh, also, uh, what was was really interesting here, it was uh, his uh, the connections that he he made with our practice as filmmaker, and few people make this connection so deeply. He would he would 
uh, talk about the cut, for example, the off screen with us, the way, for example, we, we, uh, we, we work on close ups and all those things that are the visible and the invisible part of uh, cinema that he would apply during the, when we were working on the exhibition to the, the way he recreated the show together or the interviews we made or the talk. So he would have this deep uh, possibility and he would understand and link to the practice as he would, would link people together and territories and practices together. Yeah, like you mentioned with geographies and territories, I remember him talking to me about his experience in India and showing works of Amar Kanwar and Rex Media Collective when they were you know, in their early days. And I think there's so many people even in our audience here, like Bernie Searle, Bushra Khalili, who also um, have worked with Okui and um, we would love to have all of them on stage with us if we had a couple more hours. Um, but I think because of time, we only have an hour for this panel, unfortunately. Um, I'd like to pass it on to Joanne so we can have time to discuss at the end. Um, and uh, Joanne, if you could talk to us about your uh, invitation to Okui at Villa Stuck and uh, the importance for people who don't know the short century and how um, um, an important exhibition it was and still seems to be. So thank you. And again, I'd also like to um, thank you and, and of course, Omar for inviting me to be part of this group. Um, speaking about Okui is um, so um, special and hard, I think, for everybody who's here today because We've each had the great fortune of having um, have, having spent time with him and worked very closely with him. Um, my collaboration and friendship with Oakley began uh, through Ken Lum, through an artist um, who was based in Vancouver at the time. And Ken had just come back from Dakar, from Senegal, at, from uh, Dakar 3, where he had met Oakley. And uh, uh, Ken phoned me up and said, you know, we, we have to have a chat. Um, there's something that you have to do. And he said, I've met the most amazing person. Um, he has a project which has to be done. And... Uh, Ken and I had planned to have an exhibition of his work or, or an exhibition spot where he also, I had also offered to him that he could curate a show or he could do whatever he wanted with that, with that time. But um, it, was, it was his, essentially his slot and it was going to be after the renovation of the, of, of the village took. And he said, I want you to either postpone it and if you have to cancel it, cancel it, because this is the most important project of our time and you have to do it. And, and I said, well, what, what is it? And he said, I'm not going to tell you because there's only one person who can describe it to you and that is Oakley. And can you please go to New York as soon as possible? He's, he's on his way back to back to New York and uh, can you can you meet him and it so happened that a couple of weeks later I was in New York for another reason and so I said okay um, before I go to the airport um, Oakley can come to my very unfashionable hotel 
and to my extremely unfashionable cafe that was in the hotel. And um, let's have a meeting and talk about it. So I come in and you know how Oakley always looks wonderful. So in this, in this cafe and, and you know, hearing, hearing Godfrey talk about the meals and, and, and the pleasures of eating with Oakley. So here we were, and I, I, I don't know what he thought of it or what he thought of the, of the Museum Village talk that its director was living in such um, modest circumstances. But he, he came in and, and he sat down and I said, you know, I, I've been told that you have a very important project and Ken is willing to give up his exhibition slot so that we could do it, but what is it? And for the next hour, he told me about the short century. And what I, what I didn't really, you know, he told me he'd been working on it for more, more than a decade, a decade and a half, but in just going back and rereading documents and letters and things like this, I, I discovered that the short century was, he, he started thinking about it in 1982 when, when he arrived in New York. And he originally ended as a, as a, um, as, 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 as a book on, the, on what, he, what he felt was the single most important event of the 20th century, which was decolonization. But by the time, by the 90s, when and he's been thinking all these years about what this, what how this book could be constructed. By the early 1990s, he had suddenly realized, he said around 91, which is the time that he was also conceiving of founding NCAR that it came together that he felt that this project was not a book, but it was, it had to be visual. And that the visual alone was also not going to be adequate to address the topics that he thought were essential. And he, he in, this, in this cafe, he, he gave me an outline of what the short century would be and what it eventually turned out to be. It was so complete in his mind at that time. So he said that it would document what it meant to be modern, African and free. And he said it would also document a multifaceted modernism and counter-modernism that emerged in Africa out of the ruins of colonialism. And he also wanted to document the enormous impact that the independence and liberation movements on the African continent had had between 1945 and 1994, what he referred to as, as the bookends of a period of enormous transformation in art, photography, film, architecture, graphic design, theater, literature, music, and ceremonial uh, fabric, ceremonial textiles. 
and he said that the that the the project the whole project which was going to have four components would pose the question of what the place of africa was in the writing of and i'm quoting oakley new narratives and new conclusions particular to the proper understanding of the 20th century and and then he turns to me and he said and it will have these four components which will both enrich one another, interact with one another and expand upon one another because no single aspect of it would adequately address these very important issues that he had identified. And, and the first was the archive. And that meant that the um, first year or so was going to be researching the archive, but not only researching it as if it was something static and finished, but the intent of the short century was that the, what was being done as part of preparing it was actually going to expand the archive. And the, the next, the second component was an interdisciplinary exhibition because he felt that it was essential that the short century move beyond a curatorial, sorry, a, a curatorial practice within the context of art, and it was going to be a curatorial practice about culture. And therefore, it had to be interdisciplinary and, and also speak to each aspect of it would speak to one another. He said there would be a reader. He didn't tell me it would be 500 pages long. And he also said there would be multiple platforms of discourse events, films, etc. And that we would probably have to tour the exhibition as well because uh, he really did want to see it in New York where he was living and in other places as well. And when he was finished, I, I, I looked at him and I said, Oakley, um, you're absolutely right. This is the single most important project that has to be done, but you're talking to the wrong person. I said, I, I come from a, uh, I'm, I'm working in a modest, in a modest institution in, in a city with, with uh, many museums that are much larger and much better endowed, financially endowed. And I had worked on enough projects, both as a curator and, and um, as, a, as a director, to know exact, not exactly, I had no idea, but that it was going to cost a great deal of money. And we had limited resources. And, and I said to him, I'd, I'd love to do it, but we're the wrong institution and we can't. And at that point, I, I said, you know, you, you should go to MoMA or you should go to, go to, you know, one of the larger European museums and they have the resources to pull this off you. And he said, yes, but he said, you're the person I want to work with. And we've only just met, you know. But he said, you're the person I want to work with and I want to work with this institution because you care 
And our work is about care and about making possibilities. And, the, and I won't have the freedom to realise this project in a larger institution. And I, I wrote in my forward four year, two or three years later when we finally realised this, that he had won over heart and mind and, and I somehow rather in an act of insanity said yes, that I would uh, take on this project and our institution would with its very tiny team and very limited resources. And I think I'm coming back to the comments that Joanna made about, um, and, and, and also Gottfried, what you're saying about how you work together, that Oakley understood the enormous risk that he was subjecting himself to by working with a with a smaller institution and um, and to the and, and and to the whole project and to the institution itself but he made a commitment to me on that day that we were in it together and that the problems that we would face we would face together and that he if if it was an issue about funding that he would do everything in his power to find to find sources to fund. And if it was about the impossibility of the production of works, he would find partners. And we basically decided on that day that the only way that it could be financed is if it traveled and we could we could have people who wanted to wanted to join us. And so for the next four years, Oakley and I were joined at the hip. Um, and even though we were on different, different continents and a lot of the time, and of course, um, I wanted to give you a quote if I can find it quickly. Uh, maybe I can't, but he was describing um, how, what his situation was when he was being appointed um, being appointed, here it is, I think I've got it, being appointed the, uh, the director of Documenta. And uh, at, at this time, there was no sign that Documenta was going to happen. And he said, I was 35 at the time. I had limited track record, no major institution, patron, mentor behind me. And yet somehow that amazing jury, the documentary, uh, uh, sorry, the documented jury, that selected me saw beyond those deficits and focused, I hoped, on the force of my ideas. And that was Oakley. And yet, in a matter of only months later, about six months, eight months later, he was appointed the director of Documenta. And he had, you know, been thinking about it even, even today. He probably had an opportunity at that point to say, okay, Joanne, I'm going to solve all your problems. Uh, let's skip doing the show at the at the Villa Stuck. Um, I, I I think I'll work with another institution that's that's bigger. And and I would have probably said, I'm sad, but great idea because this is going to be tough. Uh, but he didn't. 
his friendships, his friendships were so very important to him and above all his friendships with, with artists and, and with the people um, whom he trusted or to whom he made, made, a, made a commitment. And uh, he, he, stayed with, he stayed with the Villa Stuck and we went on this, what he called a wild ride together. Thank you for that, Joanne. Um, I thought I should just also briefly talk about Documenta 11 and what it meant to people in my generation. I think um, I've mentioned this many times, but I'll briefly mention it, that um, my turning point in my career was visiting Documenta 11 on my own, not the opening, uh, fresh out of art school, um, and really um, being inspired, truly inspired by uh, this stage, like you said, this world stage and this exhibition uh, that was truly global, spoke of the global south, um, but was happening in Kassel in Germany. And all I knew was Sharjah Biennial in terms of the global biennials. My experience was in Sharjah since 1993. Um, and I, I questioned why um, our platform wasn't more like that and why would I have to go to Germany or why would people have to go to Germany to have all of this great art from the global south available to them and to have these discussions. Um, and that was my turning point. So I, as many people, Okui inspired me through his exhibition making, through his ideas, uh, but it was a turning point in my career where I said, okay, I don't think I'm gonna be a painter. <laughs> I can paint when I can paint, but I think I have a responsibility here and I have this urge and need to, to create something that is um, a platform and possibilities for people from our part of the world as well. Um, so that is one, and, and Okwi was a major supporter of Sharjah Biennial. He visited often, we, there are many images of him helping artists install as well in the Biennial when he visited. Um, you know, it's um, speaking at the March meeting, uh, he spoke about thinking historically in the present and, you know, come round to um, 2018. We had the 2019 biennial, but in 2018, I was already thinking of the next biennial. So, so the curator can have time uh, to work. And I, I was in Dakar biennial with Salah Hassan. And I said, we were actually in the, in the audience at the conference, but we were sitting on either side. So I was uh, texting him and I said, and I really wanna, I'm thinking about the next biennial curator and I can't get Okwi out of my mind. I said, I can't think of anybody else to, to do this. It's just not possible. Do you think he'll do it? And he said, well, just go, go to Munich. And I went to Munich. I, I, kept, I did many trips to Munich. Um, Okwi, one thing he said to me was that um, Sharjah Biennial is really important because he felt it was a biennial that turned into an institution that became a foundation. Um, because of the need, because of, um, it was a very organic structure that we had, but also it took to its core artists' needs and the public and community. Um, so um, he, when I told him it was, you know, the 15th edition, that's 30 years of Sharjah Biennial, he said that he would be honored to do it. And he had the best ideas, of course, to do it. And, um, um, 
yeah so he, he he i think he was people who were very close to him knew that he was very excited about it and um we worked pretty closely and um and i asked him uh, when we we knew that he wasn't going to make it and i asked him um what should i do you know i really wanted his advice i didn't want to assume anything we were we were far in the stage where we had a title we had a concept but what should we do and that's when he told me i want you to do it i want you to curate it so for me this biennial it's it's been a bit of a struggle because it's almost a collaboration i say um so when you talk about Okwi's legacies, it's always difficult to say that like, this was Okwi's show and it was incomplete. But I think it's what we've learned and what we've we've shared uh, together that has guided us to the to this point. Um, and I, I believe there's still many more things I can announce about Biennial, which I'll do later. It's not my time right now. But I just wanted to to mention um, our my own journey as well um, with Okwi at this time. Um, before I move on to audience uh, questions, I wanted to ask if any of you had questions for each other as well, since we're all here discussing similar topics. You're on mute, Joanne, sorry. I was wondering, because I'm in the company of artists, if I can just add some words uh, that Oakley, it was his final letter to me, uh, would be his final letter to me, and it was it's a form of a legacy, but it's also instructions on, you know, on what to do. But he wrote about artists, and, and I want to share with you this, what he wrote um, in this very personal letter. And he said, what I love most is creating and showcasing the dynamic space of interaction and engagement with art and artists. And through that dynamism, it, it was possible for me to fully grasp the cultural, intellectual, aesthetic, political, and historical potential of a curatorial methodology that is dense, lapidary, and accretive. And this has enriched me as a thinker, not only of forms and signs, but of histories and their potentialities. And it has brought artists of such penetrating insight into my life. And I want to pass that on to you. I'm sure he counts you among those many artists who have enriched his life. Thank you, Joanne. I think we have a question from Amina Zubair, but Amina, if you could type your, I don't know, can they ask questions live or do you have to type in the chat box, please? Sorry, Joanna, did you want to say something? No, I just want to thank you, Joanne, because it's true that it's uh, we can hear him saying those words, and um, and you know, in this really difficult moments that uh, we're going through, I often think of him and uh, the way uh, he was able to invoke history 
uh, to talk about the present and uh, and this was something that we shared viscerally in a way this and and I, I kept thinking about this shows that he didn't had the chance to do and that we didn't have the chance to see like after the post-war show he I really wanted him to continue in a way and I think that those shows uh, like uh, give us strength uh, to struggle those days so thank you. Yes, and I think also when you spoke about the archive, I mean, uh, Oku was always interested in in the archive of what was happening um, and, and the exhibition that he did as an archive again, you know, to, to look back at certain moments. Uh, of course, to, to mention the post-war exhibition, another major one in, that will go down in, in history as an important moment and uh, part of his trilogy of the post-colonial constellation and um, um, I think, yeah, post-communism. So I think, um, I mean, part of, of the biennial that Okri was looking at was to look at the post-colonial constellation as the second part as well. Um, so um, hopefully, you know, we'll, uh, there'll be a lot of uh, writing and notes and archives to look back on and, and his work is, is not done. <laughs> He no, continues to work through all of us. Yeah, and maybe something about uh, poetry because uh, this is really important. Also, when I, I think of Okri, I, I see the poetry of the, the way he worked, the way he, you know, the way he behaved, behaved, the uh, kind of attitude, yeah. and the way even he was standing. It's about projecting a voice. Yeah. Um, coming back to the archive again. One of the uh, quotes that I have uh, from, from Oakley, which was the, uh, actually the guiding principle for, for the short century, was he talked about the archive and its insistent and forensic will to recollect and recollect and interpret history. And I, I, I think uh, that, that this is his language but I think it describes um, extremely well how he had uh, this, uh, the, this forensic approach uh, or strategy to almost all of his projects. And it was that that it has also, I think, enriched us collectively because it, it was the, uh, about um, not looking back at, 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 at history, but thinking at, you know, Paul, this is your, your, next, your next Biennale, but it is about a continuity between the past and the present and how one can imagine futures that are enriched by, by, by both. And Gottfried, we have a few minutes left. I was wondering if you wanted to add anything before we break up. Yeah, just mainly just I'm just recollecting the. I think he had a very intense relationship with artists. Um, I think, um, in particular, I mean, they they could be very uh, fraught sometimes, but uh, very engaging and incredibly like. Uh, intense, you know, very personal sometimes. Uh, so I think very passionate, and um, and and artists seem to kind of, um, including myself included, kind of feel 
not neglected if they didn't hear from him or they didn't get enough from him, you know, that we were very demanding of him in certain ways. Um, I remember certain, you know, projects that we worked on, artists would be like, oh, you'll pay more attention to this person than to me. And then, and so he had this thing of uh, making you feel like you were comfortable when you were, you know, discussing something about your work and just having this, having dinner or even having a drink, the way he laughed, the way he talked, engaged. And then you just somehow you felt you were missing out if you was if you were part of the next, the next group conversations or something. So that that for me, um, um, also speaking personally, um, not in terms of projects I did with him after subsequent, but then when, you know, I'm just talking about the times that we spent in those days. Yeah. yeah, I think it's true. Everybody wanted to be part of his world, wanted to like learn from him, be inspired by him. And um, we, be it, you know, like when he's cooking, you know, uh, pasta vongole or when he's, you know, in a restaurant in Venice, you know, I think there is always this energy and people kind of crowding him that you often feel like I don't want to bother him because everybody's bothering him or everybody is. But he had that persona that everybody wanted to um to be close to him and i think that uh, talking about him and all of us reminiscing a little bit um like you said uh joanne um, when we were talking the other day uh, the work is not done it still continues to go uh to it still needs to continue and i think that's what we're all here for and to continue this conversation for future generations um i think uh, we have a responsibility to to not only keep his legacy alive, but also continue the work that he's doing from our geographies as well. Um, so, um, yeah, that, that's that's what. I'm Joanna, uh, Joanna, sorry. Um, maybe this is also what is um, you know interesting uh, for to do to continue doing this Biennale in Charsha, but because like Joanne was saying, the, the relations that he had with archives is like a rea it's not something about the past; it's reactivating it today, and uh, to be able to look at to 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 live the present and uh, and make a bridge to the future. So I think that reactivating in a way uh, his, his his legacy in this during this biennale would continue this uh, yeah. all those questioning and uh, so yeah so for the first uh, for the first march meeting we did he wanted to look at the history of Sharja biennial he thought it was really important to look at the legacy of Sharja biennial um, and our march meeting looked at the Sharja biennial as well as other biennials that happened uh, around the same time in different parts of the world uh, and um, he wanted a book to be ready for the next year, as well as an exhibition on the Sharjah Biennial Archive. So that's something that we're working on at the moment that we should have uh, pretty soon, I hope. Um, of course, I postponed the Biennial by two years just because of the pandemic. I thought we wanna all do the work that we wanna do. We don't wanna compromise. Some artists were compromising because of the pandemic, uh, lack of time, uh, you know, people losing people who are close to them due to COVID. Um, different countries are going through different things. Not everyone is privileged enough to be safe. So I thought it was, uh, it made a lot of sense to postpone the biennial and do it properly because at the end of the day, it's a project we started with Okwi and we have to do it properly. So I hope that uh, we can make him proud. Um, we have um, 
invited lots of his friends and colleagues to also contribute and help in this process. So um, I, yeah, I hope that everybody marks the calendar for February, 2023. Mm. We'll hopefully see you then. <laughs>